Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, today's guest is the first male IFBB pro, so a little bit of a fanboy moment for myself, so it's the one, the only Cuba. Now, this will be on YouTube, my man, so I can see that you've done your hair for today just as much awesome. as I... I've uh, <laughs> for you, mate. Just so as much I'm as I've done, mate. So listen, yeah. mate, thank you for coming on. Now, what I would like you to do is, for those that perhaps have been living under a rock and have no idea who you are, can you give the listeners... I don't want to say brief. I want to say, can you give them a, a good, solid introduction of who you are, sort of what you do within the coaching realm, your gym, your successes within bodybuilding so far, and then we'll get right into your journey. Right, so uh, my name's Cooper Chelling, and uh, I am a competitive bodybuilder. I did turn pro in 2018, and uh, I'm a coach and a gym owner. So uh, the gym that I'm actually, I own is Ultraflex Rotherham, and uh, we, we don't just have one gym. My business partners have got uh, have got five or six gyms now across the UK and plans for 25 plus. So, uh, wow. yeah, yeah, they've got big plans, big plans to kind of expand. Open one in Dundee, Scotland, please. I think, do you know what, mate? I think the plans are to go up and down the country. So I think first the plan is to go down there, down towards south and then and then kind of move on. But, uh, yeah, do you want to start from the bottom, where, where the journey started? And Mate, please do. Tell me, where did that first thought come when you first picked up a weight? Where did it all begin for you? So, uh, I was 11 years old, and that, the first time I actually picked up a weight was in my fitness suite in uh, at the school, when I first actually came to England. So, uh, I was 11, I first came to England, I couldn't really speak a word of English. That's pretty much a story everyone knows anyways, <laughs> from uh, previous interviews I did. But, yeah, the first time I actually touched the weight was uh, in my fitness suite at my first, uh, obviously at a school I went to called Royal Mashcom in Rotherham. And uh, the kind of story went on from there. Like I uh, I was there every single night straight after school. Uh, and that's pretty much how it evolved and how it started. And then obviously the school holidays came and I couldn't access the school. And that is when I uh, when I signed up to my first ever boxing gym. And uh, at the time we, uh, we was doing sessions from like five o'clock till seven, that was boxing. And then seven till eight to half past eight was always weight training straight after. So uh, that kind of got me the bug. And uh, when I when I kind of put my mind into something, like I really don't like resting. So uh, I, I do take I do take a lot more rest now. But there's even a, a newspaper article that I've still got from when when I was young. Uh, I think when I was thirteen or fourteen when I was boxing, and uh, the article said that oh he practically lives in the gym. He's, he's there pretty much day in, day out, and, uh, and he absolutely loves it. So I always loved the challenge, and uh, I always loved kind of the training aspect. as always meant a lot more to me than, than the actual competition did, because that is what kind of that's what I fall in love with. It, it's not actual competition, it's like icing on cake. So for me, it's all about the journey before and what happens before you actually get there. So that's always been the mindset of actually putting the hours in the gym first before you kind of get the end product. And I think a lot of people have got a mentality of doing it the wrong way around. I think uh, it's it's more all about the end, end product rather than focusing on what's now, what's in front of you, and what you can kind of control every single day in, day out. But, uh, yeah, that, that's how it all started. And then, so the, the boxing went on from age of 11 till, the, till just under 16. And then uh, I actually stopped boxing just before I turned 16, joined my first proper bodybuilding gym, and that was uh, Bruno's gym in Rotherham. Uh, big up to Bruno. He's, uh, he's the gym owner. He, uh, he looked after me as a kid as well. Let me train with him, and uh, I did my first show a couple of months after he actually retired and sold his gym. And uh, that was under 18s Nabinor Feast when I was 16. 
Wow. And uh, the kind of the bug went on from there, but like I, I never, I've never been away from the gym longer than longer than a week if I had to, and that's always been due to unforeseen circumstances. So uh, it kind of, I never ever looked back since then. It's always been my whole life always revolved around bodybuilding and doing all I can so I can bodybuild. So everything I've ever done since I was pretty much sixteen was basically done so I can afford this lifestyle. And I can still train with no stresses. So my jobs have always been kind of focused around being able to train around them, not the way around. Yeah. So that is kind of where coaching and PT started. So well, I actually started coaching and PT when I was 18. I actually picked my first client for my first show when I was 18 as well. Wow, that's brilliant. That was after, I think, I, I did three shows back then when I was 18. I did three or four shows. Uh, with the under-18s, I pretty much did every show I could. Uh, yeah. As an under 18 in Naba, uh, I pretty much won them all. So uh, I actually prepped my first client when I was 18 and, and started PT. And then, well, at the time, I was still working doors. So uh, the door work and PT was kind of working fine together because, yeah. again, I had plenty of time to train myself, rest, uh, and what have you. And then, obviously, do some PTs in the daytime and then obviously do some door work at nighttime. And then, obviously, when contest prep came, came round, if I wanted to take a month, month off from PT and so I can focus on prep, I could have done that because I still had my door work to fall back on. Yeah. And then, uh, pretty much from the age of 18, I, I, I did very well as a, as a junior under 21 as well. And, obviously, the better you do at competitions, the bigger your name gets and, and everything else. And, obviously, you, obviously, the popularity gets there as well, but people see your passion and people see your results. And people see the work you put in, obviously, through, through social media and, and et cetera, and obviously see you winning shows and doing well. So I think off the back of that, I managed to already get a very, very strong client base, client base online. And uh, when I was 21, that was pretty much when, uh, after my uh, junior, never junior universe, that is when my online coaching really, really took off. And I didn't do, I pretty much stopped doing one-to-one PT back then as a full-time, and I stopped doing the door work as well because I just had no need for it yeah. because uh, obviously I had that much, that much work, my online work. I, uh, I just focused all my effort into that, so to speak. And uh, the story went from there, really. I, uh, I did all the junior shows in NABBA and then I did UKBFF in 2017. I believe, yeah, 2017 when it was, it was the last year UKBFF still meant for something when yeah. it still, it was still affiliated with, with IFBB. So uh, all the big boys were still competing there, and I managed to win the junior and juniors and heavyweights that year. Uh, I was actually fortunate to step on stage with, with James Ellenzed in the finals. Brilliant. So uh, that, that was a pretty big day. And the following year after that, I was still won my pro card. So uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a long ride. But again, what people what people don't see is everything I've always done all my life has always been done to kind of accommodate my lifestyle and, and be able to, for me to be able to kind of live my life and live my passion rather than kind of work, work to live. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I liked that you threw in there that it started when you were 16. By the time that a lot of people, you know, have started going clubbing, you've done four shows. That yeah. that, that level of dedication is, is unbelievable. And I know that for a fact, you know, when I was... 16 i couldn't tell whether i needed a shite or a haircut at the best of times so to, to to see that you had that level of dedication at such a young age mate i think that it shows just you know the level of maturity about the man that you are today now when you were 16 that first thought was our first thought of i want to become 
an IFBB pro or was it was it just I love this I'm going to do it because you mentioned you love the journey so I guess what, yeah. would, would the pro card be the icing on the cake or is that just oh, well you know what I'm going to keep doing it anyway so the the, <laughs> I, I, the pro card talk is a little bit silly for me and I, I've never ever been bothered about it to be honest for me it's always been a about being a bodybuilder and about being a good bodybuilder, like the pro card, it, it never even crossed my mind, not even back then. And it never even crossed my mind when, when I managed to win it. Like I wasn't bothered. Like all I want to do is compete and be a good bodybuilder. Like if you're a good bodybuilder, eventually that will happen. It's just a stepping stone. That is like natural progression. So you need to focus on being a good bodybuilder first, rather than focusing on, on something that, that kind of comes as a part of the parcel. So I think many people have missed the point. It's like, why are you chasing a pro card? Why don't you just start chasing you being a good bodybuilder and the pro card will come. Jeez. So I think uh, it, it, people seem to attach a lot of glory with the pro card, but it's just not, it's not at all. At the end of the day, it's just a pass to compete with the big leagues. And what people fail to realize is it is a pass to compete with the best in the world. What is the point in you having this pro card if you're going to compete and you're just not even going to get lucky? So this is obviously why I got a pro card too early. I wasn't I wasn't quite ready, and uh, I got I won my pro card and then I had to take two years off just so I, I reach a standard where I won't step on stage and people are going to be like, "What is he doing?" And has he got lots of swim baths? So. <laughs> oh, I love it, mate! I love it. And the great thing is, you're exactly the same man on this zoom call this this podcast as you are on your instagram and you're straight talking and it's one of the reasons i think why a lot of people resonate with you so if someone was to say to you if you have a vision is it to do with just where you want when you look in the mirror you want to look a certain way it's not a vision of i want to perhaps you know be the number one bodybuilder in the world is it just you want to be the number one cuba in the world it's never it's never about being better than other people it's never been about number one it's to me it's just better it's just Everything's about progression in my life. So, and that's not just with bodybuilding. Like, I want to be a better coach. I want to be a best businessman. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better bodybuilder. I want to be better at everything. So, it's not just necessarily all about an end goal. Like, that end goal will never ever change. And I'll probably never reach the end goal because once you get to a certain point, you want more. You want bigger. You want better. So, like, it never ends. The goal. It shouldn't really. It shouldn't. If you're in this sport for the right reasons, like, why should you ever? Why should you ever set a limit that you know is attainable? Like you should always kind of like the, the, there is no limits in everything you do. Obviously, with bodybuilding, there, there will always be a, a not so much limit because I, I do believe someone can always always improve and get better. Yeah. But obviously, that is to a certain extent. You can get better at your own rate. Like some people just get better quicker because they're blessed, and, and that that is it. Well, other people, I don't think she's got the work ethic. So they see other guys with the, with, that have the work ethic, and they're like, "Well, he's progressing quicker because he's got the, he, he's got genetics." But really, he's probably got worse or the same genetics as you. He's just got the balls to kind of get after it. So, and that and that, that that rule applies the same to, to life as well. And the day I choose to fucking work ten to twelve hours a day as a coach, rather than sitting in my ass and just doing nothing. I know a lot of bodybuilders that can get away with that and, and that's fine. That's their choice. But I don't just want to be a bodybuilder. I want to be a successful I want to be a successful person as well. Yeah. And I, I think that let's, just, sorry. Let's face it, like, let's face it, bodybuilding like does life last a life last a lifetime. 
But you're not a competitive bodybuilder as a pro for for for, for a whole life. Like you probably end your career in your forties, and obviously when you hit your forties, you've still got half of your life ahead of you. Well, half your life for like well maybe like a third. Yeah. But it's still a lot. It's still a long time. Depends so, on which, depends on which gear we've taken, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, dude, you're you're hundred percent right, and I think that anyone listening out there who is who's thinking about, I, I mean, I think that personally that's not thought about enough of when someone takes up bodybuilding from a young age they just want to they, they, they see the Instagram post or they see the likes the, the followers and, and it looks glorious and they want to just do whatever they can and the process for them isn't enjoyable whereas I think that to reiterate your point 100% agree that it's all about the journey and what you learn about yourself along the way and as you said when you kind of go up there on stage there's that it's alright it's cool but it's the process that it's the I think that the goalposts move every year because if you're I'm sure that if you showed yourself your 16 year old self what you look like now you'd be like ah, oh I'll take that that's cool that'll be me happy but now you've probably got as we all do areas okay I'm going to bring this up this off season that up that off season and it's great but I think if we could go back to when you were 16 years old at a time when I mean I know when I was 16 I was probably doing my best to try and chase women quite poorly Right and, and probably underage drinking and whatnot. What sort of level of dedication did it take from then? And did you learn any lessons that perhaps have continued on into what you perhaps do as the norm? Just for someone listening out there, because there'll be many out there listening that look up to yourself. So I never, I never, I never missed any meals. I, uh, I was religious with meals, and I never drank. I, I didn't do what normal people did. I never did that. I didn't do that when I was a uh, when I was like under sixteen. When I was like thirteen, I was training every single night, five six days a week. So, for me, it's been bred into me the, the the consistency, drive, dedication has been bred into me since I was a kid. But it's not been bred into me through other people. It's been bred into me by myself. Like I was never ever told to do anything. It's always been my choice. Yeah. So. It's it's kind of been brought up on myself by myself. No, like nobody's ever pushed me to do anything. Like my parents just supported what I did because they saw the passion for it. So for me, it differed a lot because I never missed sessions, I never missed my meals, and I was always prepared to kind of like I told you, everything I did was always always revolved around bodybuilding. And the same thing came with like what lads do with the lads. Like if I went out with, with the boys, I'd I'd have a meals on me. Like, I'd be eating. So they'd be drinking. I wouldn't be drinking. I'd be eating our meals. So if it were like home time, I'd be home. That They'd be staying up all night. But latest probably I'd go to bed is like one. And that, that that's never changed. So and I, I've, I, I've I always can, prioritized. I can, I've always prioritized bodybuilding. I can reiterate that because you emailed me back at one fifty-two this morning. Cause I yeah, got, I was still working. I got up at 4.15. I was like, damn. I was like, he's either been working or he's just like can't sleep. But... Yeah, so because uh, because obviously what happened last night with uh, with with the whole somebody uh, basically oh, we spoke about it before the podcast, but somebody uh, somebody basically reported our gym saying that we're letting members in when we haven't, and uh, I unfortunately had to push all my day back by around three four hours, so I, I ended up having to stay up till about half two in the morning just catching up on work. And making sure all my clients kind of get the replies that they need, etc., and catching up on our meals as well. So I, I, I had to stay up anyways to get our meals in. So uh, I'm playing catch up and sleep today, so to speak. But well, it is what it is. This shit needs to be good on. At the end of the day, I'm not gonna miss. I'm not gonna miss meals, and I'm not gonna. 
I'm not going to kind of uh, miss out on work when when I can still get shit done. Just stay up later and then catch up next day. I think it's that... not ideal. It's not ideal, but I'd rather do that than than miss meals and and kind of not give a service that I know I can give. I think that's a great example of what bodybuilding has has probably taught yourself and many others is a fucking relentless work ethic. That it doesn't matter what needs to get done if it's on your to do list that day, it fucking gets ticked off because there's a new to do list tomorrow. Right. Well, within reason, if it affects my body, bodybuilding, it doesn't get done. Right. Okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. Cool. That 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 makes complete sense. But I think yeah. that kind of shows a lot of people that just what it takes really to attain the level of physique that you've got, but also the success that you have in business. You know, because you not only like being a, a a bodybuilder, a professional bodybuilder, is a full time job. So you balance you balance that upon your full online coach, and I'm sure you probably have other ideas in your head that you're probably not willing to share that where you're going to go and before you know it you'll have your hand in a lot of pies and I think that it's a, it's a great example to anyone that's that's looking up and aspiring to just attain our physique that not only is it about your physique it's about everything else so I just wanted to chip in and just say that, that that's class but as you over the years from the age of you said 13 up to now I guarantee your training split hasn't stayed the same so what I would yeah. what I would love to get a rough idea from you is, and you've probably tried and tested them all out there, but how did it change from the younger years, progressing through the ranks to where you're at now? Obviously, you probably found something that really works for you, but did you have to go uh, through yeah. go through a lot? When I first ever started, it was actually a push pull leg split. Right. When I was when I was a young kid. Okay, cool. But it was like uh, I remember reading Flex magazine and they said Ronnie Coleman's split was basically training everything twice a week. And he basically he basically ran a push pull leg split in that in that magazine, and that was like what when I was 15, 16. And the progress I made when I first started was ridiculous. Like people was basically accusing me of almost taking gear where before I even had. So uh, it kind of went on from there. And then obviously, uh, as back then the knowledge was very limited, we had no access to the internet, and it was more like he said, she said with all the knowledge and. 90% of it was absolutely stupid. It was it was ridiculous. Like the, the silly things that obviously the the old timers used to tell me and stuff, especially with training and, and, and nutrition and everything else was was ridiculous. So the, the some knowledge that he got was always I used to sort of muscular development every single day. And everything that post that I'd be reading it, I'd be getting dug into it, I'd be like seeing what else I can do and, and everything else and watching watching the pros train and stuff like that, but it's never enough. Like with the access we've got right now is like trained by JP site, obviously Joe Bennett's stuff and stuff like that. It's the opportunity out there to learn and master your craft is endless. So right now, for anyone that's that's kind of coming to bodybuilding, like I know if I knew what I know now, back then I would have probably been pro by twenty one, not right. not twenty three, twenty four. So it, it would have cost me a lot of years of progress because I spent a lot of years without understanding what recovery is and basically overtraining and doing a bro split. I'd be training every single day, just training as heavy as I can. My form wasn't terrible, but it, well, looking back, yeah, it was terrible, but <laughs> obviously it's terrible for my current standards. So when I, when I was looking at things I did back then, I'm like, whoa, that was stupid. And uh, I would have probably never got any, any injuries at all if I, uh, 
if I knew what I know now as well. I've touched what I've never had any serious injuries, but it's just mad a lot of tweets and a, a lot of tears and, and stuff. But uh, yeah, it, it all started kind of with, with a, a, a very simple push-pull leg and then it kind of got onto back onto growth split and then back onto push-pull leg when I was like 20, uh, 20 21. And then, uh, sorry, no, it was actually after I was 21. So when I was around 21, it was back on push-pull leg and I made some, again, I went back to making some serious progress. But again, I didn't have much understanding about recovery and matching recovery needs and obviously and how progressive over a lot actually works. So uh, it was the same with, with my execution. Like my form, my form of execution just wasn't, wasn't up to par, so to speak. It, don't get me wrong, it's, it was great for like a standard gym goer, but for what we do and what we specialise in, it's still not, it wasn't polished. So I, uh, the, when things started going really well, really well, really, was uh, after 20, uh, after 2017, 20, well, in 2017, when I actually started doing a lot of research myself, and then before I actually started working with Jordan, in 2017 was the year where I really dug into kind of making sure my execution was better, and then obviously digging into into people that that are, that are very well known in the industry and uh, followed them a little bit closer, and obviously read, read what they did and kind of studied obviously all the work, and I think uh, from then that is when when big progression came. And it came using less supplements. It came with a lot less effort. And it just shows you sometimes you've got to work smarter, not harder. Because the work ethic hasn't changed. It's just I'm a lot smarter about doing things now. And I prioritize the things that are far more important now than, than I did back then. So yeah. it's not just everything has to be planned and everything has to be tracked and recorded, in my opinion. And if it isn't, you, you will always miss out on progress. So everything you do has to be measured uh, and you've got to know exactly what you're doing. Uh, otherwise, it's how do you know if something's working or not? If you're just going in there without a plan and doing whatever, whatever you feel like it, it's just never going to be, it's never going to be kind of like a polished diamond in my opinion. I know, I know a couple of people, your clients, and they do talk about how meticulous you are with execution and, you know, they're like, yeah, you've sent, they've sent you every top set video and, and they've completely changed their training. So, to hear the level of coaching they're getting and the, the emphasis you place upon that with yourself and to your clients is unreal because I've all, I've been there before. I remember, you know, bombing a hack, squat with five, six plates on it and feeling like I was fucking Billy Big Bollocks when I was Betty Wee Basket probably, right? Just because of my ego, right? I felt, felt great because I was doing this. And it was only really till I had to take a hard pill to swallow. I think it was Luke Hoffman at the time. He was like, dude, you're going to break your knees one day. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, and it completely changed the game for, for myself because I think before I used to listen to, to Big Davey, I, just some alter ego I say, Big Davey on a forum that's saying you need to take X amount of drugs, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to train your chest on a Monday. And um, that's that's what it was like for myself growing up. So for, I think the young ones out there, there's so much information and to have coaches like yourself placing such em emphasis on, you know, training fucking hard but training safe is great. What I wanted to ask you is, do you think that if you were to, to look at your sort of total working sets now versus what they used to be when you, you did, you know, you said your, your bro splits, would you say they're a lot, a lot less than, than then? Yeah, yeah, so obviously not counting the feeder sets and the warm-up sets, but the volume is probably halved. Wow. 
Yeah, it's probably half, mate. So it used to be like five, six exercises, four, probably like five exercises, four sets each. Right. So now it's like compound work. It's anything between eight to ten sets per session. I don't really count isolation work because isolation work is just... I, I, like me and Jordan never count isolation work. It's just compound work. Uh, in, uh, in hindsight, it's true because you're never going to trash a CNS doing a fucking bicep curl. Yeah. Or, or you're training your rear delt, you're not gonna you're not gonna come away from a, a set of rear delts thinking, oh my gosh, I'm smashed. You come away from a set of RDLs and anything above eight to ten reps, if you use a, a, a sensible poundage, then trust me, you're gonna feel it. So, I do I, I do one set of paused RDLs and it fucks my back off set. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm fucked after it. So, but tell me, years ago, I was saying, oh, just just deal with it. Stop being a pussy, Von. Just get on with it. But you know what though? All them years ago, you probably didn't put the same amount of intensity into your set. Yeah. You probably stopped three, four reps before you actually reach failure. And I think that's the difference. That's what I'm trying to kind of reiterate with my clients is there's a difference of actually taking your set to true failure. When you take your set to true failure, you will not be able to do any more than two working sets in an exercise if you really, really take it there. So maybe three sets out of push if, if, if you are experienced and you know what you're doing, your recovery is great. Then maybe three sets, but that's, that three sets would be at, at totally different rep ranges as well. So uh, I think the biggest, biggest difference is people don't, people have a different perception of failure. Like my failure will be totally different to what Stephen Jones is, so to speak. So uh, I think this is where kind of people, people go wrong. They, uh, they think, oh, I'm just doing two sets. So if they don't actually get a proper explanation, one, they're not going to do any warm-up sets. They're just going to go in and be like, yeah, I'm, I've got two sets to do, so I'll do two sets. And then they walk away after doing two sets and they feel like, oh, I've not even trained yet. But uh, in reality, is like myself, if I'm doing a set of RDLs, I'm starting with RDLs, it will probably take me 25 to 30 minutes to actually get to my top working set. Yeah. So, uh, and that is to do it safely. You've got to take your time. End of the day, you've, you've got to kind of, if you want to get to your, your, your maximum weight, you're using the least effort so you're still fresh for your set and to do it safely and handle a sensible load, it will take some time. I'm telling you that now. Absolutely. And, and obviously, it's, you, you're, not, you're not just getting your body ready, but you're getting your mind ready for that set. So every single warm you take, slowly, you kind of, you get yourself in that mind frame where, right, I'm going to take it there, I'm going to take it there. So you're almost like tickling yourself before you kind of, before you go full, before you go full gas. Yeah, and I think that you know you're part of you know trained by JP, uh, and that sort of team ethos has had a, or that that brand alone has had a huge influence on how I train, how I program, how I conduct myself, how you know much I try and become like a horrible bastard before a top set, um, and it's amazing to to speak to yourself being part of that team because you I think that you're a true reflection of of what it's all about, um, and I think that. Everything you've said there is bang on. Now, if we could mention, you mentioned recovery quite a lot, and I know it wasn't something that I had had, had maybe thought we would chat about today, but it's, I think it's really important for anyone listening because often in the bodybuilding scene, we kind of, you know, even if we whittle it down to the smallest thing, like we think, oh, pre-workout, I'll take two scoops. You know, we think more is better. Like, oh, drugs, I'm going to take another mill of that, right? So, I mean, if we can speak about recovery, how... You know, let's take yourself, for example. How many days will you sort of train or take off or maybe perhaps 
when will when will you deload and, and things like that? What what would you say? Uh, not not often enough. Not often <laughs> enough. Like even myself now, I, I really struggle because because of the years I've spent. For me, right, my feeling shit, a normal person feeling shit, is a different scale. Like, for me to feel shit for other person, that feeling is probably unimaginable. And that is because I'm so used to, since I was a kid, pretty much getting smashed every single day. So because I'm so used to that kind of, because I'm so used to that kind of work rate and I'm used to feeling fucked and that's norm to me. So if I don't train for three, four days, I'm like, wow, like what's going on? But, uh, oh man, it's, it's crazy, you know, because... Even me, I'm still guilty of kind of not taking enough rest. So right now, my split is has always gone back to in the last two years, I've tried every single split with the type of training that we do. And we always go back to the same one, which is the one I'm running right now. And that is uh, one day we'll train four days, other, day, other week we'll, sorry, one week we'll train four days, the second, the following week we'll train five days. And the split is uh, two on, one off, one on, one off, repeat. So, uh, and obviously some of my guys and uh, obviously my training partners are adding an arm day in because they do need an arm day. And again, that arm day is like an active rest day. So that's not going to impact the recovery that much. So we've, uh, we've, we've played about with three days on and it's when you, when you train with, 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 with any intensity and you apply yourself properly, it's impossible to sustain that. It's, I actually made worse progress on cycle than I did when I was when I was off. Uh, obviously, training more frequent. Wow. And what people forget as well is, and it's the biggest mistake I always made, and something that Jordan has always drilled into me, and I'll, I'll always be thankful for, because he has really opened my eyes into a lot of things and taught me a lot. Like I'm, I'm not one of them people that will always hide and say, "Oh, everything I've learned, I've learned for myself," because I haven't. Like. I've had a lot of good people around me and I'm learning from people that know far more than me right now. And I'm still learning from Jordan. So I will always give credit to them because I'm comfortable in my knowledge and I'm comfortable in what I do to be able to do so. And I think a lot of people that aren't will always kind of hide away the fact that they've got people around them that always helped them and got and kind of helped them to where, get to where they are. And for me, I'll, I'll never hide like who's helped me and, and who's kind of brought me on as a business person, as a coach, as a bodybuilder, everything else. So uh, I'll always be grateful to Jordan for, for obviously for, for opening my eyes up on on recovery, especially and programming and training. Like it's been it's been amazing, and uh, obviously we, we speak we speak pretty much every day about training, about bodybuilding, and then about all sorts. And uh, with 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 the training aspect, we, we've tried every split, and that's Jordan himself as well. And we always go back to this setup is the best setup if you're looking to kind of get strong and recover well and progress a lot. If if you know your programming, if you can program it right and your exercise selection is right, that is if. Obviously, everything works for people as long as you program it right. So this is working for us because we know how to program it. It doesn't mean it's going to work for you when you kind of don't know how to utilize it well. So this is where people make a mistake of, of trying push-pull leg split when they don't know how to program it, they don't understand recovery, they don't understand volume. And when you don't understand volume recovery and all these things that go into it, you're not going to make progress because one, you're either doing too much or you're not doing enough. 
So you kind of find a losing battle. So it's a, it's a fine line where you've got to find where you just do enough to be able to recover from it, but not too much. So you're smashed. So it's it's give or take. And there's a lot of tools that obviously can give you feedback how to measure it. Obviously, one of them is being a logbook that I know a lot of people kind of uh, kind of are against. But what people do forget, logbook isn't just about numbers. Logbook is, is about jotting down how you feel, how your session is. Obviously, it's not just jotting down your numbers. It's jotting down your form. So whether you progressed in with form, what your tempos, you kind of, like I said, like I said before to you, you measure everything. You don't just measure your numbers. Like, there's so much more that goes into it than just numbers. And I think people that just think it's numbers, they're the people that kind of fall out with, with push-pull leg split and logbooking because they don't utilize it well. Again, there's that many tools for us to use as long as we know how to use them. And myself, in past... I never knew how to use them until obviously now. Like now I've learned so well of so many great people. Like obviously Jordan's been the main one. And then obviously people like Joe Bennett, B-Pack. There's, there's tons of people I can mention. Like right now I'm doing a course with Dr. Jordan Shallows, which is absolutely mind-blowing. And uh, obviously all these things will make me a better coach, better bodybuilder. And and obviously, again, like I've told you before, it's progression. Like I've never cared about anything apart from, apart from the sport. Like, from a very young age, even at school, people knew straight away. And the teachers always said, like, this kid doesn't care about anything else but that. And I, I will always find a way to do this over everything. Like, I will always kind of, I will, I will always find a way. Like, even now, obviously, with, with, with the gym shutting down and everything else, I, I will find a way. So, uh, it's just a case of what, what I'm going to do and where. But uh, there's always things I can do. So, uh, I love, will definitely sort things out. I love, that. There, a, I love that, dude, but... Not only do you go to in such depth, but mate, the passion you speak with about everything to do with bodybuilding, even speaking about like having a day off and, and getting off sleep and whatnot, like it's awesome to hear. It's inspiring. Like I'm sitting here fucking like I'm pumped. I want to take a nap, right? In a good way because I want to fucking recover. <laughs> oh mate, I, I actually this is why I'm five minutes late, but I, I was actually having a nap. <laughs> I had to, mate. I had to because I I woke up this morning. I just felt rough. Because obviously I, I don't really do that many night, late night sleep, but for some reason, because obviously all the all the years I did work, I did door work, my, my my sleep pattern has always been quite off to normal people. But I've kind of um, I'm back in an okay sleep pattern now, where I'm, I'm I'm in bed for like half eleven, twelve generally, and I'm up around half seven, eight o'clock. But um, I am still trying to scale that back to kind so, of waking up early and getting bed earlier. But with the gym itself, oh, how do you balance work? So you you do work for the gym. And your online coaching and training and whatnot. What sort of work work life balance does that give you? I mean, do you have a day off? If for people that listen out there that they think I'm not saying about oh you know hustle and no days off and stuff like that, but do you get free time to yourself? You can pre- you can you can ask my uh, you can ask my partner Meg and she'll tell you now. I, I never there's, there's no such thing as days off. I don't think at moment at moment there isn't. At the end of the day, if you want something, if I don't want to sound like a prick when I say this, but Oh mate, go for it. I'm I'm a prick. I sound like a prick all the time. You can either choose to live a mediocre life, or you can choose to live like the life that you've dreamed of, and kind of get shit done, and not think of yourself. Or well, shall I just shall I just take a day off? Shall I just not do this? Shall I just not do that? So you've got we've all got the same kind of hours and days to to kind of fill our fill our days. Like as long as I don't get sick of this, which I'm not. Like, don't get me wrong, some days are hard, like, some days I'm tired, 
but you still get shit done. And like, I always think of the bigger picture. Like, I know where I want to be in years to come. I know the person I want to be in years to come. So I will do everything I can from here on to be the person that I kind of visualize I want to be. Yeah. So it's like, if you want to be someone, if you want to be someone, if you want to be someone for yourself and build your own brand and be a great coach, there's no such fucking things a days off because at the end of the day, you will always be working with clients when they're prepping or in off season. Like at the moment, I've got quite a few clients prepping. So you know yourself, when, you, when you're in constant prep, like you will need to apply to a client that day, regardless of, of what's happening. You will need to put the mind at ease and regardless of what help it is that they need, it might even be a one word answer or just a sentence, you will still need to get it done. So uh, I, I am guilty of not, not, not kind of, uh, I would, I do need to organize my time a lot more efficient because with the amount of workload I've got, I do need to kind of be, uh, be more efficient with things, but I still get everything done. It's just, uh, it's just a case of having a lot of late nights at the moment where it's kind of, uh, it's hard, but it still gets done. Yeah. But I, th- I think that obviously a lot of the current situation as well could, could add to that off podcast where we're speaking about, you know, we've both got home workouts coming our ass right now and, and that's cool. But it is just that, as you said, kind of sink or swim, right? It's, yeah. it's a scenario where if you have X amount of drop-offs, then you get X amount of pickups, and and that always comes back to probably just you know your relentless pursuit to, to always be better in, in any aspect of your life, which is which is class. Now I had a, a couple of clients who um they're they're big fans, they're fan girls actually. I think they maybe have a little bit of a crush on you, so I'm not going to name them because they'll absolutely kill me for it. But what they want me to ask you was the sort of um transition from going from bikini to figure um, and I know that you work with a lot of um, female athletes so what I thought we could just have a chat about is it's a big step up and rather than just say right this is how you do it what I, w- what I was wanting to ask you is you know how would someone or a female's perhaps training change the time they take away from the stage you know in general what how, could, how would they go by that um, because that was one question from a couple of bikini girls that I've got that they they want me to ask you so it, it's just like me saying, right, how are you going to become a bodybuilder from a physique athlete? Like a, a physique athlete, this training will be pretty much very similar as it will be to a bodybuilder. It's just refining little details and, and maybe some exercise selection is different. It's the same with bikini to figure. Some exercise selection will be different and it's the scale that, that you kind of go with. So the potential is there, it's just a, a smaller frame. So Meg, for example, right? She was a bikini athlete, but if I make a pose like a figure athlete, she's a mini figure athlete. So if she had the body shape to just do bikini, which a lot of girls do have the body shape and structure that wouldn't be uh, any good in figure, unfortunately, it's just the way you're born, and I'm sorry, but that's what your mom and dad gave you, then you should definitely stick with bikini and kind of not try and push your body weight or not try and grow in, in the place that you will. But what you will find is you don't choose a category, a category for yourself. You are born into a category. Yeah. And natural progression takes you there. So obviously that, that makes a prime example. And I think this will, this will open a lot, a lot of eyes to a lot of people. So Meg started as a bikini athlete because she was small and she had very little muscle. As she, as she grew year by year, she slowly started developing the shape that is perfect for a figure athlete. But that only came with more muscle. So I think for a bikini girl to think, right, I'm going to be a figure athlete now. Well, 
you're going to have to put on quite a substantial amount of muscle to see what you actually look like. So in my opinion, if you are going to try and do a transition from a bikini athlete to a figure athlete, maybe try some figure poses and see what you look like in a figure pose. Because what will happen is when you get bigger, you will just be a bigger version of yourself. You're not going to change shape. That's what people kind of fail to see. Like your shape is what you're born with. You can only get bigger and refine little things. So you, you can maybe suck your midsection in by obviously doing vacuums and stuff like that, but you're never going to shrink your midsection. You can only get bigger around it. Yeah. So even for yourself right now, you're, you're a classic physique athlete, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the progression for you now is you're never going to change your shape. You're never going to look, you're never going to have different muscle bellies. You're just going to get bigger. Yeah. So moving forward from this, you need to see, right, I need to do this, this and that to be a bodybuilder. But your training wouldn't change. All that would happen is you'd probably have a much longer off season and you would probably push food a little bit higher and aim to get a lot stronger than what you are. Yeah. The same with women. So Meg trained somewhat fluffy before she met me. And like when she met example. me, she started training properly. I, I taught her how to train. Uh, obviously, I, I, I kind of I structured training so she could progress fast. And within that first year, when we worked together, she got a pro card uh, as a bikini athlete. But uh, I've still got pictures of her prep. And when I used to put on some figure shots, she already started to look like a mini figure athlete. Right. So for her, it would be natural progression. Obviously, as she as she trained longer and longer, she would have developed into an athlete that doesn't suit bikini anymore. So that is all it is. So it was even it was a choice to make this right. You either stop progressing and stop training the way you like to train, and you can stay in bikini, and we can just refine little things, and we would probably stop your training your upper body. And we would probably have like three leg days and one upper body day because that's what it would have got. That's what would have had to happen yeah. because because of how well the upper body responds. So, and by the way, this doesn't mean for many of you bikini girls, you still do need to train your upper body because if you don't, you just don't look right. <laughs> so that doesn't mean like you all stop training your upper bodies and start training just your lower half. But uh, so it was a choice to make. You either kind of. You either stop training how you like to train, stop eating how you like to train, stop obviously chasing progression like you like to train and stay in figure, or we take a long off season with me, we train like you want to train, we eat, we build your calories up, we get strong, and then we kind of, we'll see where it takes us. So it's uh, it will take us obviously doing figure because that is her body shape. That is what she kind of, that is what she fits. Like she's got a very, very small waist and she's got quite wide clavicles. So that gives her a huge illusion where she will not be the biggest athlete on stage because of her proportions. She will blow a lot of people out of, out of way because, because of her proportions alone. And obviously figure is about figure. Yeah. So unfortunately, if you don't have the figure for it, maybe some other classes are more suitable to you. It's just like myself. I would never do a classic physique because I don't necessarily have a classic physique. So, and I would never do a men's physique because again, I don't have a men's physique. So you kind of, I think this is what kind of people need to pay attention to when they choose to compete and when they choose the classes they're going to compete in, choose a class that suits your body shape, not what you pref, not we prefer because nine times out of 10, if you choose a class that you prefer, you more than likely don't suit it. And you're just gonna, you're not going to do any good. You're not going to do well. 
So it's it's one of them. You can either pick a class you want to compete in that you think is cool, and then you just don't suit it, and you're not going to get anywhere. Or you pick a class that actually suits you and your body shape, and then you might do all right. Yeah, I really, really like that you said that because I think there's maybe a lot of women out there that they maybe want to be a figure athlete or they're a figure athlete and they maybe want to drop down a bikini or they, they, they like the sass of bikini, but they're really yeah. a figure athlete or whatever. So, mate, you, you said that with such like precision and authority and way more better words than passion than, than I could ever say. So that's awesome. Now, yourself, you mentioned push-pull leg split and you'll go four days one week and then five days the next. Would, would Meg do, obviously, a little bit different training for you again because my female athletes want me to ask you this. About yes, I did. I did modify her training a little bit different, but now uh, her training is actually push, and then it's pull with glutes, hamstrings, and uh, one set of one set of leg, and then it's rest legs uh, with not as much glute focus. It's more quad and hamstring focus with just maybe a, a one tickler and glute, uh, maybe one set and glute, and then it's rest and then repeat. So her focus is is still somewhat. Uh, bringing a lower half up because her upper body responds very well. But I think an optimal split for most athletes, most females, would be this split, to be honest. Whether you're in a bikini or figure, when you think about it, on the body parts that women generally need to make them look good and aesthetic, like this sort of split would would work very, very well for majority. Not all, but majority. Obviously, depending on what your strong points are, what your weak points are, you can structure that to obviously suit you. But uh, I, I think I think that split works very, very well with a lot of athletes. So it, it just depends on, on yourself what your strong points are. Like some girls that have got awesome glutes and hamstrings, they would probably not have any hamstring and glute work on that pull day. And they would probably focus more on just building a little bit more back so to speak so they had more volume on the back yeah. rather than rather than doing that obviously but uh, in terms of frequency uh, that, that your body parts do get hit as well uh, on that split it, it's pretty perfect as long as you can recover from it it's 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 ideal but again that comes down to your programming and your lifestyle and, and obviously whether you can handle it or not yeah and what I, what I keep like what I, what I like mate is that you keep always referring back to it's the individual and it's about their recovery demands. It's about their sort of what they need to bring up. And I guess that that's often lost sight of with a lot of whether it's online coaching or one-to-one coaching. It's here's a genetic program and I've written your name on it just because I couldn't be bothered personalizing it. And, you know, you see so much of that. So to hear the passion that you're speaking with about X, Y and Z is is brilliant. Um, yeah. And, and another thing is with, with coaching, the, the plan changes a lot as you go along. So it's not the initial plan that's always kind of the one you're going to follow. If that was the case, then people would just pay you just to do a plan and then just follow it. They wouldn't pay you to coach them. So what people fail to realize, and this is why I never, when people message me about just one-off plans, I'm like, not even waste my time. I'm not going to, do you know what I mean? Like, that's not what I do. That's not what I represent. That's what I'm not going to do. Because at the end of the day, I can give you a plan, but you'll probably progress for a couple of weeks and then you're going to stand there with your dick in your hands and not knowing what to do. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, I never do that, to be honest. And it, what people fail to see is obviously, as you go along, things change a lot. Whether it's dietary requirements or your, your lifestyle changes or your training, it will develop and change as you go along. It doesn't, it's not stagnant, like everything's kind of fluid 
it's all up and down and it all changes as you go along. It's not, you don't just pick one thing and stick to it and that's it. That's not just, that's just not how it works. And the splits kind of vary a lot, uh, a lot and, and not a lot. Well, it depends. Again, it depends. It depends a lot on obviously the needs and what they actually need to bring up. So I would favour to, to focus on a day that they need to specifically bring up. And obviously that comes with time. And again, first and foremost, it's it's not even so much the split that's important. It's important to teach them how to train and obviously and make sure that, that they can actually train with some precision. If they're, if, if they're just training for sake of training, the, again, the results are going to be very, very, very little in comparison to someone that's, that's very precise in what they do and they can actually challenge the muscle efficiently rather than just going in there and just getting something done and getting out. So would, would you say, if we were to think that there was some, not maybe flaws within the industry today, but or, or common things that you might see, would would that be a top of the list? You know, if we said imperfect training or perhaps you know suboptimal training, or would there be other things at, more to the top of that list that you think, well, actually, that's more of the, an issue than, than what that is? What's your, what's your thoughts? Uh, do you know what? It's, it's a hard one in the issue, I know. Like, everyone's got different needs and everyone wants different things from coaching. Like, some people want to work with me because they probably don't want that. Some people just want, right, just get me a plan, I'll just do whatever and I'll just crack on. I don't want to work with people that are, I want to. I want to work with people that are like, right, this is what I fucking do. I'm determined. I want to work. I want to progress. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, this is my short-term goal. This is my long-term goal. We're fucking doing it. We're getting after it. But, uh, ah, man, the, the problem today is in the industry, right, is there's a lot of people out there that, that, that kind of do it for not so much just, oh, man. They do it just, 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 just for a paycheck, I think. So, there's a lot of people out there that don't really care for athletes. They don't care about how people look. They just all they're bothered about is right. This person's competed. I've got this many trophies with that many people. That's it. I don't care about the health. I don't care about the training. I don't care about anything apart from getting the money in and getting my name out there, so to speak. And that's what I'm not about. Like I don't really care about people saying this or people saying that. Like at the moment, I just want to stay in my own lane, focus on my business, focus on my people, uh, and make sure they're all the best you possibly can, and the rest will follow. Like, if you focus on being the best you possibly can, the rest will follow. And I've always learned that. Like, if you focus on just earning money, you're never going to get any money. If you focus on just being good and providing a good service and being a good ball, being just being good in general, everything will follow. Like it always has in my life. Like I have never focused on on people knowing who I am or, or doing well in bodybuilding or doing well as a coach. I've just focused on, on being a better person, a better version of me. That's always been the goal. It's never been a goal to kind of earn more money. It's never been a goal to kind of, oh, I want to win this show. I want to do that. It's always been a goal like, I want to look like this. I want to kind of progress. I want this bigger. I want to weigh this much on stage. I kind of... I want to build a gym like when I first when I first started a gym like I want a gym that's that's all the goal was like it's never been about money it's never been about people knowing who I am or whatever it's always just been right like I want something good man I'm just listening to you speak I'm fucking motivated it's like it's like I take a hit of pre-workout that's what I would train now after, <laughs> after listening to you speak man it's awesome now listen I know you're a busy man but this is one thing I often will ask guests before they go um 
What would you say in life is the big, the biggest lesson that you've learned? And from that, is there any advice you would give anyone out there listening? <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, Just got to be one. The, the, the most potent thing that sticks in your head. It could be a good something good, something bad. But, and it doesn't focus. Need... Focus on what you can control and only what you can control. And don't focus on negative things around you. Just focus on positive things, positive people, and don't kind of... Don't fall into the trap of kind of of seeing what other people are doing more, so to speak. Like, if there's some negative negativity around you, like don't even don't even give them time of the day. Focus on the positive things around you and the, the people that kind of bring you up and the can, people that can make you a better person. So I've spent way too long of my time around people that drag me down too much and around people that I couldn't trust. And around people that want to be around me for wrong reasons, for the things that obviously they can get out of me, so to speak. Whereas right now, I'm kind of around people that, that I know will make me a better bodybuilder, a better coach, a, a better business person, a better person in, in general. So I think surround yourself with better people and be mindful of, of, of who you are, who your circle is around. Because at the end of the day, if you're around greatness, you will be great. Simple as that. If you're around shitbags, you will be a shitbag. Love it, man. That's awesome. That's absolutely brilliant. I think that um, I can speak for everyone listening and more so myself. Uh, just a massive thank you for coming on today, man. Incredibly grateful to, to hear your journey. Um, I think it's hugely inspiring to anyone listening. It's And it's fucking motivating. So... If anyone out there is not going and giving it the beans after after listening to this, I don't know what they're doing. Um, so thank you so much, my man. Much appreciated. Thank you. And uh, for anyone listening, I think I speak for both myself and Cuba when we say give it the beans.